0: On today's show, it's all about the AFC free agency, all the moves that were made during the offseason in the NFL thus far. At the end of the show, we're giving some early prognostications on win totals for this AFC team because we are the West Coast Gamblers, the only gambling show that makes you money. How do you, How do you say that? that? How do Thank you know that?
1: Five simple words, That's impossible Mr. Michaels. to
2: know.
3: Back up the brink strip. Who you betting on? Always on black, fast stats in the pocket, hole, squad fast cash. Send the bookie, tell him bring it from the bag. No be coming for the bag. West Coast, West
2: Coast, West
0: Coast, West Coast, to the G, West Coast, gang. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the few in attendance and the thousands listening around the world, let's get ready to gamble. My name is Tony Cavallo. As always, I'm joined by Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer, Crookson, and we are the West Coast Gamblers, the only gambling show that makes you money. A proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and today it's all about free agency. We're diving into the AFC free agency moves, the trades that were made, what teams lost players, gained players, and Dangles. you got a lot to explain about your hometown team the New England Patriots. But before we get there, uh, we gotta, we're a little hot, boys. We're a little hot, boys. Shape of the Sand Trap, 3-0 and on his top 20 t- trifecta. Tony tires, baby! Denny Hamlin coming in second place in a top five bet. This close to winning it, too. Dangles, your, uh, your soccer bet. Don't even know if it's going to happen anymore, but it's still yet to happen later on today with all that's going on with the Super League. Dangles' is, uh, a bet is still in the ether. But, yeah. Drew... Three in a row, man. Top
2: 20 trifecta. You hit them all. Guys, the top 20 trifecta is here to stay. And I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, you know, golf is hard, but the more I do it, Schaefer the Sand Trap is getting more and more comfortable digging his feet in that sand and splashing out of that bunker onto the green, closer and closer to the pin. Three straight top 20s. uh, And all of them really weren't that, that big of sweats, with the exception of Answer, who was T18, but... I'm loving these golf bets, man. I'm loving these top 20s, and we will have some more in the future. Tony Tires, how does it feel, man? You're oh, on the board.
0: It feels great. It feels great. And you know what? I was doing well with my tires bets, and uh didn't give out a winner on this podcast, but I was winning money on them on the side, and I knew I knew I was getting hot. And Denny Hamlin, to be top five, was never in doubt. He won the first two stages, was never even out of the top five the whole entire time. His pit crew— His pit crew had the fastest pit changes recorded in the whole entire NASCAR season eleven point eight seconds per stop. Other people are going twelve seconds, thirteen seconds. It's the little things that matter when it comes to NASCAR, and I love watching NASCAR. It makes no sense to me, and I enjoy every single second of it.
1: Can you bet on the over under for like a a pit crew, a driver's pit crew, over the course of a race, or can you bet like a season long? Are there like future odds on season long average times for these? Because that's something that's. That's a way I could get into NASCAR betting, is if I could bet on an average, like, over under 12 seconds for the, the race or the season, um, you know, whatever it is, that they, the, they make those changes. I could get into that.
0: Dangles, if we do our job and we keep pointing the spotlight of gamblers out there onto NASCAR, then I guarantee you those bets will be able to happen. So we have to do our part, <laughs> and I think we're on our way. Tony Tyres hits, Schaefer the Sand Trap hits, and we're going to be giving out bets today after we talk about some of these free agencies. Today we're doing the AFC, and at the end of the show, we're going to give out some weight Way too early future win totals. Because there are numbers out there that make no sense to the three of us here, and we're going to tell you how to make money on some of these future win total bets. But before we get there, boys, are you ready to talk about some of the moves that were made in the NFL world? Because there were many. We've waited a while to make these, uh to have this conversation. A lot of moves were made. Some, are, Some big names are still out there like Melvin Ingram, but a lot of teams, especially on day one, New England Patriots, threw some money around in a world where, post-COVID, we didn't know this money was still going to get thrown around. But I'm excited to dive into it. Before we belabor the point any- anymore, boys, are you ready to dive in?
2: I am, and can we just give a quick shout-out? Tony Tires and Shave the Sand Trap, great weekends. No one had a better weekend affiliated with this show than our dear friend of the pod, Ryan Hurd. CBS last night with his wife. Maren Morris bringing home some high, some hardware and Mr. Hurd sitting in the, my, my own, very own basement where I used to make frozen pizzas <laughs> and play poker with him. I'm 16 years old, watching him live on stage. What a thrill. Great job, Ryan Hurd. You're the man.
0: It was the only time I've ever seen a country music award show, and I was very happy I watched it. And uh, the, next this week, we're not only doing the AFC right now, the NFC free agency is coming later this week, and the next week, it's all about the draft. I'm so excited to talk about the draft, to dive into the draft, to make some money on the draft. The Ballerina Big Board coming out on Monday. We have a very special guest coming with our Wednesday show for our draft bets. But now let's dive in and talk about the AFC and the moves that were made. And Dangles, we're going to start with the AFC East, and we're going to start with the new England Patriots, because they made a litany of moves. Uh, the other teams in the AFC East, like Buffalo, traded out John Brown for Emmanuel Sanders. Miami traded out Fitzpatrick for Jacoby Brissett, signed Will Fuller to a one-year deal. New York Jets signed a lot of guys that were castoffs from other places, Carl Lawson, Corey Davis, Sheldon Rankins. They could catch on, but the Jets, the biggest move they made was trading away Sam Donald and putting all hopes to the future, presumably with Zach Wilson. But the New England Patriots diggity-dangles. Not only did they re-sign Cam Newton to a one-year $5 million deal, trade for Trent Brown, they signed Matthew Judon for a four-year $54 million deal. John U. Smith, four-year $50 million deal. Hunter Henry, three-years $37 million deal. Nelson Aguilar, two-years $22 million deal. Re-signed David Andrews. They have COVID players coming back. Kyle Van Noy joins the squad. Jalen Mills joins the squad. And the best part of this whole entire endeavor is that back in 1994... Bob Kraft spent $175 million to purchase the franchise of the New England Patriots in the stadium that they played in. And then on the first day of free agency, Bob Kraft again guaranteed $175 million to the players that they signed. When asked about this, he is quoted to talking to Peter King, saying, It's like investing in the stock market. You take advantage of corrections and inefficiencies in the market when you can, and that's what we did here. Nothing is guaranteed, he continues, and I'm very cognizant of that but we're not in the business to be in business. We're in this business to win. I love me some Bob Kraft. A lot of these uh, signings were a little questionable, but as a New England Patriots fan, Matthew Dangles, Daniel Antonio, your team does something that they never do before. They splurged in free agency. A new squad is in front of you with Cam Newton at the helm. How are you feeling?
1: Uh, I'm feeling good, honestly. And I know it might surprise you to hear that because when I tell people that, their, their response, you know, is, oh, my God, how can you be feeling good when Cam Newton is your quarterback as of right now heading into the 2021 season? And I get that. I absolutely get that. Um, but here's the thing. I think as a fan, when you think about what some of their other options were and how much cap space they had, I think this was an enemy, you know, decision with regards to keeping him um, to save them the trouble of having to intro a different quarterback to the offense again and in the process potentially have to, like, revamp the offense. Um and they do still have some cap room to move around if they they want to but uh, look I- I'm glad they went out and spent $60 million on all of these pieces for the team, as opposed to going out and spending $60 million trying to get a Matthew Stafford or someone comparable to fill the quarterback position, because now Cam has no excuse to fail anymore. I'm willing to give him one more shot, and I know, I know, he's bad. He's been bad. He he, he didn't he didn't pass the ball well last year. He had eight touchdowns and 11 interceptions, I think. Now he's got weapons that he didn't have last year. He still was able to win seven games last year with the nothing team that they had, a lot of that That was good defensive play, but he's got all the pieces that he needs now to be good. And they're probably not going to win another Super Bowl with them, barring a Super Cam season, right? Like, I just don't see that. I don't see that happening. But when you talk about adding Kendall Bourne, you talk about adding Nelson Aguilar, it helps us stretch the, the field a little bit deeper. You got Hunter Henry. 83% of his catches went for first downs last year. Do you guys know that? That's nuts. That's very, very helpful for us. We didn't do a good job converting on third down last year. It was one of our biggest inefficiencies. That's going to help us. He and Johnu Smith are going to help us. You're going to see a lot of 12 personnel uh, from them next year. A lot of two tight end sets. And we've been good when we've had those two tight end uh, opportunities in the past. So, look, do I think—and and, and and as for the quarterback situation, I guess we'll see. I, I'm not of the mind that Bill Belichick is going to trade up and try and get someone big. I think he's already gone well outside of his kind of what you'd normally expect from him, uh, taking all the—or signing all these free agents this offseason— so I don't, I don't really expect them to sell the farm to move up. I just Belichick's not the kind of guy who's going to give that much draft capital to, to get a quarterback. I think he'd rather try and find some value later on or hope that somebody falls. Um, but on, honestly, I, f- I feel good. I'm excited about the new, the new additions to the team. Now Cam has no excuse to fail. And the last thing I'll say is that Cam knows this is his last shot. He knows it. I think better than anyone. Cam's a competitor. You guys both know this. He knows what people say about him. He's had to hear it all season long on Boston Sports Talk Radio. He had a kid at one of his camps tell him he was washed. Some 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 snarky little kid tell him at one of his camps that you suck. It was it was it's like are you? I mean I you know that incident aside, it's kind of like Cam knows that this is his last opportunity to be a starter in the NFL. He got a deal that some backups would turn their nose up at, and this is his opportunity to perform. This is it now is it and he's got all the pieces to do so and I I am willing to give him that last chance to rise to the occasion because if he could be good or just good enough and if that those those pieces help us we could be competitive with the bills we could that's a big statement they won they won 7 games and they won 7 games last year statement. with cam and with none of the covid folks that that were gone obviously patrick chung retiring he was out last year uh, he he sat the year out as well but uh, you know the bills are a very very good team but if we can get the synergy going and the team performing you know what i mean i i do think there's there's an opportunity for us
0: so drew uh, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick used to, this is a true story, used to sit and watch teams spend in free agency and laugh at them because of how much money they were spending in free agency. And Dangle said during his statement, something about $60 million, it's $175 million guaranteed that they spent in free agency. And they have a team now that is all new look. And, and there's a couple of question marks to me, but before I get that, I want to kick it over to you. $175 million guaranteed money spent by the Patriots did, you, did it raise an eyebrow to the shave or the shark
2: It didn't raise an eyebrow to me that they spent money, guys. Of course, we knew they were going to spend money. What raised the big eyebrows to me is when they spent money. They yeah. were first ones in the market. When you know day one of free agency, you're just going to get you, – you you're going to outbid yourself for, for these guys. So I was just dumbfounded by the movement they had right when the clock struck midnight, if you will, to get these guys. And Belichick, look, like – I do agree with Dangles. I know this is this is Cam's last shot. Uh, you know, I I, I I still refuse to believe that they're gonna go into that season with him as a traditional, you know, quarterback. Of course I know they signed him to I, I think he'll be their quarterback, but they have to have some kind of wrinkle or I i it's just hard for me to fathom that he could be under center for the whole year. But the fact that I mean, they're giving Nelson Aguilar sixteen million guaranteed when their counterpart the Bills are giving Manny Sanders $6 million guaranteed. That's the kind of stuff that usually is the opposite of what teams do. The the, yep. the Patriots signed Manny Sanders for $6 million. They don't give Nelson Aguilar 60 million. The Patriots drafted two tight ends last year in the third round, and they spent money on not one but two tight ends. Granted, great players. Johnnie Smith, the blue chip of the tight end class, and Hunter Henry, a great player. But they just drafted two tight ends last year. Yeah. I'm really confused by this, however – I mean, you can't discount the genius, the goat that is Bill Belichick. And what Dangle said is a really good point. I mean, it, it can't go understated. They won seven games with a terrible roster last year. Yep. is their roster improved? It is. Um, do the moves make sense? Does the spending make sense? Not really to me. Uh, and I don't. And the Dangle said, "Can they be competitive with the Bills? Absolutely." But I still think, obviously, the Bills are are, are the crown jewel of the AFC. Oh, no question East to start to, to start to start the year. Low-key, I love that pickup of Manny Sanders for the Bills. And I'm going to give you one quick sleeper pickup that I really like. The New York Jets signed former fifth overall draft pick Corey Davis, who was kind yep. of labeled as kind of a kind of a miss. Corey Davis with Zach Wilson under center could be nasty. I think that guy's got a lot of good football left. I love that signing for the Jets. Obviously, Wilson's going to be there. Uh, they paid money for him.
0: Corey Davis, three years, 37, 27 million guaranteed. They definitely paid a premium the Jets did for Corey Davis. That's the, the biggest question mark, and you brought it up, was the Nelson Aguilar signing on the day of free agency? Uh, uh, two years, 22 million if he lives out the fullness of the contract. This guy was on the league minimum in 2020, and he played great. He played great for the Raiders. I don't know if that was the right signing that I would have gone for when a guy like Will Fuller went to Miami for one-year $10 million. And again, Manny
2: Sanders. And he again, was
0: really efficient. He was really efficient as a deep ball catcher last year. Sixth in the
1: league with 444 yards on deep targets and second with six touchdowns on deep targets. That's from Pro Football Focus. He was first in the NFL in yards, second in touchdowns, and third in EPA when he runs verticals. Now, the Patriots, Cam's a bad deep ball thrower as of right now. This is obviously the the, the, the problem, right? Um, But if Cam can work on that, Nelson Aguilar, I know everybody talks about him dropping footballs and is he worth the the amount of money he paid, but he was a very good deep ball catcher for the Raiders last year.
0: The thing that changed, obviously— is you're no longer playing with Tom Brady, yet you're still playing under the uh, under the pressure of the Patriot way. And I think, Drew, that's a little bit of the reason why they spent the big money they did on the first day, because I don't think there was going to be a chance to get Emmanuel Sanders to come and play in New England. He'd want to go to play for a team he might have more fun with. And that's their prerogative. Bill Belichick now has to prove that he can still win without Tom Brady under center more than seven games. They need to be a playoff team if they want to keep signing the deals that they're used to getting.
2: I couldn't help but think this too, guys. I mean... It was known. It was a known thing that, you know, seasoned veterans would take huge pay cuts to play for the Patriots to chase that ring when Brady was there, you know, for 20 years. Yeah. Seems to me now the Patriots are overpaying for players that are good players. And again, you know, Aguilar, Kendall Born, they could be great. They could be. Now, Again, I, it, they're role players, amazing, right? Scene.
1: They're not stars. They're and, not you know and, and, a, a game
2: breakers and, necessarily, but they fill a hole. They fill a void.
1: They, sure, they help, sure, they help sure. the offense move in ways that it couldn't last
2: year. I'm just curious, moving forward, is New England uh, going to be a destination where players, A, want to play, and B, do they feel like they have an advantage there that Brady's gone? Obviously, we can get in the Brady-Belichick argument until the cows jump over the moon. We won't do yeah. that here, but— yeah. It's it, it 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 was a very interesting, interesting, um, interesting offseason for the Patriots and it'll be an interesting draft. And I can say with confidence that nine win uh total for them, I have one zero to do with that either way, <laughs> over under. I don't want anything to do with it. Nothing. Yeah, I wouldn't I, I'm hopeful as a
1: fan that we will that we will, you know, be a an eight plus win team next year, but as a better I absolutely want nothing to do with that because there's just so much uncertainty, at least until after the draft. Then maybe we can revisit it.
0: No, no, you're right. And I have a question about those nine uh, win AFC over under teams. We'll ask that at the end of the show because it's an interesting situation when you look at how the slate turns out. Let's move on to the AFC North. Pittsburgh Steelers, after falling apart at the end of the last season, they lost a lot of players. Bud Dupree, Mike Hilton, James Conner, Mike Pouncey retires. The only real move they made was they re-signed Juju to a one-year $8 million deal. Baltimore, as we said, lost Matthew Juneau They also lost Mark Ingram, who wasn't doing much. They also lost Yannick Ngakwe, who came in midseason and did well for them. They did sign Kevin Zeitler from the uh, the Giants for three years, $22 million, a very good guard. And Sammy Watkins is the wide receiver. They spent money on one-year, $5 million deal. I don't know if Sammy Watkins is the answer. Cleveland! Got some pretty big defensive players. Jadavion Clowney for one year, $8 million. Troy Hill for two years, $9 million from the Rams. And John Johnson from the L.A. Rams. My favorite signing of free agency. Three years, $33 million. $24 million guaranteed for the young safety out of L.A. Cincinnati did a lot of weird things. They got, they got Troy Hendrickson from the Saints instead of Carl Lawson. They got William Jackson. Uh, they got Mike Hilton to replace William Jackson. They signed Awuzie from the Cowboys. They signed Riley Reeve from Minnesota. They lost guys like A.J. Green, John Ross. Cincinnati, I want to start with. Their clear problem was the offensive line and the protection of Joe Burrow last year. And the one signing they made with the, all the money that they had, all the money that they had, they had all these players leave and they had all this money to spend. The one signing they made was Riley Reef, who, as Drew and I know, is a terrible tackle. And it, it's presumed that they're not going to draft... He wasn't the t-
2: great seven years ago.
0: It, it's presumed that they're not going to draft the tackle in the first round of the draft. We still have the ballerina big board to tell us this. But Cincinnati, man, if I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I, I'm happy we're spending money. I'm happy we're in it trying to sign some of these guys. But every signing to me is a question mark. Am I wrong?
2: No, it definitely. I mean, the ownership at Cincinnati is known for being one of the worst in all of football. Uh, not only cheap, but just... Uh, strange in the way they go about things and when you have franchise quarterback drafted number one overall that everyone knew fans coaches players bettors uh your mothers knew (laughs) joe burrow was gonna break his leg or tear his acl last year you just knew it yeah and it happened yeah it happened so what do you do to protect your asset you just scratch your butt and you know sign a bunch of i I don't know I mean if I'm a Bengals fan I am just beyond I'm smashing uh, my head against the wall.
1: I'm smashing my head against the wall it, it, if I'm it, a Bengals it, fan because it's the same no story. Sense. It's it's the same story year after year after year. It's like, you know, I feel like we were playing the same game with Marvin Lewis when they just wouldn't fire him and he kept losing and losing and losing. It's like, oh my, and now we're in, in and here we are, we're going, why won't they sign? And there were opportunities too. You know, Joe yeah. Thune, Joe Thune
0: goes to there the, were, the uh, Kansas were, City I, Chiefs.
1: You know, we can get into thing. that. There was a like, lot of
0: offensive linemen that Zeitler, were out you had.
1: You mentioned Kevin Zeitler signed signed with the, uh, 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 an Indian division opponents with the Ravens. You know, there were other offensive linemen. Trent Williams is still out there. Now, now granted, it might be hard to convince folks to come to Cincinnati, but look, you've yeah. got a young quarterback for who's a first overall pick who showed out last year, and it's like, no, it shouldn't be that hard to convince guys, hey, we got something going here. T. Higgins had a great uh, uh, freshman year, and Joe Mixon has been good when he's able to stay healthy. So I think that the Cincinnati Bengals missed a lot of opportunities, it seems, in this offseason to really... Buffet that offensive line and give Joe Burrow who's now going to be operating on a on an operated on ACL uh, yeah. you know the protection that he needs to succeed because he showed he could do it you got it you got to protect the guy Brady didn't win seven Super Bowls with shitty offensive lines
0: no no he did so, not and Pittsburgh to keep it in this division is another one of those nine win AFC teams that I don't want anything to do with that win total number because Pittsburgh played great last year but obviously they were not the 12 win team that came out to play and they lost a lot of players in free agency a lot of defensive players which was their strength big ben comes back for one more year but he loses a couple of tools on the offense i'm a little bit worried about about pittsburgh falling apart here
2: well the most again i'm gonna give my award for biggest head scratching signing per, for this division was someone who re- re-signed with the Steelers and juju smith souster yeah like for i heard chief, that kansas year, city i heard that kansas city expressed interest in him if i'm juju smith Suster i go with patrick mahomes play number two between Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and yeah. everyone knows how I feel about them. Yeah. Like, what are you doing to have one more ride with Big Ben? Like, I am so, so down on the Sears this year, not only for how they finished the year last year, but for how Big Ben looked, for how much they lost on the defense side of the ball. Yeah. And the fact that Juju, like, that that is – he could have got paid to go play for a better team, in my opinion, and – and again, I mean, in t- 2021, you got to like tip your cap to some sense of loyalty mm-hmm. or whatever. But I, I that was so bizarre to me. Yeah, the most bizarre signing of this division by far. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I'm right there because it wasn't. That. It what he he wasn't getting thirty million guaranteed. He got a one year deal.
0: Yeah, one year, eight million, and it's a very much a prove it deal, and it's very much testing the waters come next year in free agency. So you got to think that I mean. Maybe the money he wanted wasn't out there, the money he thought it was worth. But then Corey Davis is getting $37 million from the Jets, so I'm a little confused as well.
2: Let's move you on. Take one, you, you take one for eight to play with a 40-year-old Ben Roethlisberger, or do you take a one for four to play with Patrick Mahomes opposite of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey?
0: Yeah, yeah, because then, then your next year, you're twenty 2022, you're banking it in. No, you're absolutely right, Drew. You're absolutely right. But, hey, he's coming back home, and Pittsburgh Steelers hate that man. So it's going to be a very interesting situation. The AFC South. A lot of movement in the AFC South and a lot of interesting characters come into this division. Tennessee loses John O. Smith and Corey Davis, but they sign guys like Bud Dupree. They steal Bud Dupree for five years, 82 million, only 34 guaranteed. By the way, all these void years that we've seen, we see a Taysom Hill contract that really amounts to nothing. It all that matters is the guaranteed money. So Dupree might be there for five years, 82 million, but it's really two years, 34 million. I love that signing for Tennessee. Weird moves they made, though. They they have Janoris Jenkins and Kevin Johnson replacing a Dory Jackson and Malcolm Butler. Just a couple weird switches of cornerbacks that have always been a problem for Tennessee, and I don't know if those guys are the answer. Andy did not do much except for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is now coming to Indy to replace Phil Rivers, and of course, we've talked about that move. I love that move. I do not think they gave up too much money. Jacksonville had a lot of money to spend and spent it on some pretty good players, in my opinion. Shaquille Griffin comes over for three years, $40 million. Rayshawn Jenkins, the safety, comes for four thirty-five. Roy Robertson-Harris, Jamal Agnew, Marvin Jones, Carlos Hyde is now a Jaguar. Trevor Lawrence is going to be having an island of misfit toys to play with, but I do like some of the defensive signings that they made. Houston, however... Good Lord, Houston. I don't know what I'd be doing if I was a Texan fan. Not only did they lose J.J. Watt, (laughs) not only did they lose Will Fuller for a really cheap deal, but they're signing guys like Mark Ingram, Desmond King, Christian Kirksey, Phil Lindsay, who I like. But can you tell me who got the most money in free agency from the Houston Texans this year? Can you tell me the man's name?
2: Is it my, like, number five quarterback on the list? I'm
1: going to go with Terod Taylor.
0: It is Cameron Johnson, the punter, got three wow. years, $8 million. That was the most money they gave out in free agency, and it was to a punter. That's all you need to know about Houston. We're not talking about them anymore. Drew, you keep on bringing up one-person uh, one, one person signings that really scratched your head or signings you liked. Any of this these signings in the AFC South that you enjoyed? I can tell you right now, Shaquille Griffin going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I love that guy. Good for him for getting paid, and I think that's a really good signing for Jacksonville. I think that kid can play.
2: Well, obviously, you know, the Wentz thing is going to play itself out. I'm fascinated to see how that is. I think everyone that's an NFL fan or a gambler or a Colts fan or a Colts enemy is uh, at the edge of their seat with that. That's going to be interesting. Um, I, I like what the Titans did with the Dupree signing there. Uh, definitely think that's, do that's a good signing. I do, too. Um, Even coming off the injury. I, I will say, and you can call me a homer for this. You can call me, oh, roll your eyes. But I do think bringing in a guy like a, a Marvin Jones, who's just a steady, steady presence in that locker room for Trevor Lawrence, and obviously to have some moral fiber in that locker room because Urban Meyer has none of it, is a uh, really good signing for the Jags. Um, I, he, that guy's a consummate pro. Yeah, he is, and uh, he will he he will police. He will police that locker room with the best of his ability because their head coach won't be able to do that. Um, so I do think low-key uh, Marvin Jones, good signing for the Jags. I like that.
0: And Drew, he does know how to play hard for a team that's only doing a lot of losing, like those Detroit Lions. Matthew, you got, that's any, my point. You got any signings in this division that sort of made you happy, that sort of made you scratch your head, anything at all from the AFC South?
1: I did uh, definitely agree with you on uh, Shaq Griffin, one of the fastest guys in the league, a great corner uh, guy who can go step for step with just about anybody. He's going to give them that lockdown corner uh, that they haven't had since Jalen Ramsey left, and it'll be it'll, uh, good to reinforce that defense. I was kind of surprised the Titans didn't do more to give Ryan Tannehill some options to, to, to pass to, um, especially considering they lost Corey Davis, and not that he was yeah. ever a huge part of, of that offense. Um, I he think definitely they, came on this year, though. He did. Solid number he, two. He did. He's He's a very good number two. And, I mean, you used the fifth overall draft pick on the kid. He was very highly touted coming out of college. He led, I think yeah. he led, led, uh, college football and receiving yards I think his senior year. Western Michigan University,
2: like Shave the Sharps, alma mater, there baby. There
1: you go, go Broncos. That's, that's why you like him so much. Um, but but I mean, you know, and I think he was also a victim of not having, um, just as an aside, I think he was a victim of having a, not a good passer uh, and and also some injuries as well. But I, I expected to maybe see with all of the, those pieces leaving, John O. Smith obviously leaving as well, them giving some more uh, pieces for Ryan Tannehill to throw to, but they're clearly just going to keep on toting it with Derrick Henry. It's been successful for the last couple of years. Um but I was I was happy to see my Jaguars making making so many move uh so many moves and um on this Houston Texans, I mean I guess it's you know it's not out of character for them, considering we're just a year removed from the head-scratching trade they made that sent DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona for David Johnson, and now yeah. they've uh, uh, signed Philip Lindsay. Two more running they, backs. Yeah, Two I more was going to say, so signed. fat lot of good that did, and for uh, you know shipping off the uh, arguably the best receiver uh, overall, just pound for pound in the
0: NFL. I will say, I will, be, guys, I will be drafting Phil Lindsay in every fantasy league last year around like the tenth round because that that guy can play and he will produce no matter where he is.
2: And guys, remember, we're obviously. Doing Doing this free agency kind of uh, breakdown, if you will, that we are recording this, of course, before the draft. The Titans, like many teams, I mean, their roster could look completely different post draft, of course, whether it be drafting receivers or trades. So, I, I think teams like the Titans, teams like the Colts, definitely are looking to fill those pieces in in the draft, and I can't wait to see kind of what their finalized rosters come. Uh, look like come august
0: speaking of uh, wide receivers that re-signed with their teams like juju ty uh, ty hilton one year eight million re-signed with the colts to play one year with wentz i'm very excited to see that hookup wentz does like very that. well with deep throws uh, i'm excited to see wentz's all together i can't wait to talk about the season over under win total but before we get to our bets and the win totals we have one more division to do that's the afc west with the biggest head scratching team of them all First, we get to Kansas City, the defending AFC champions, uh, champions. They signed. Their big signing was from the Patriots. Joe Thune, five years, $80 million, $48 million guaranteed. Big money for an interior offensive lineman. They also re-signed Mike Remmer. Protecting uh, Patrick Mahomes is the number one move that they have to make, and they definitely spent to do so. But they say goodbye to a lot of players that we know from them. Sammy Watkins, Eric Fisher is still on the street. Anthony Sherman's not coming back. Very interesting to see the Chiefs in a very new look, especially on the offense team. Denver made two of my favorite signings talking about team needs. And that team loves to have corners that, that can play man up and can defend you well. Ronald Darby for three years, 30 million. And Kyle Fuller, my favorite signing of this whole division for one year, 10 million. Kyle Fuller can play. And I think that's a steal for them to reunite. With, his, uh, with Vic Fangio, I think that's going to be a great— and a lot of reasons that Denver is sort of a sleeper pick to be an overwin team. The Chargers took away my center. The number one center on pro football focus is now a Charger. Corey Lindsley signs for five years, $62 million. They trade out Hunter Henry. They get in Jared Cook. Uh, and they signed Pittsburgh's backup tackle. They lost a lot of players well. Melvin Ingram, Casey Hayward, uh, Marquise Pouncey, uh, Perryman's on the street. Jenkins went, went over to Jacksonville. Chargers lost a lot of players. Again, spent money on a center. And then there's the Las Vegas Raiders, who traded away Rodney Hudson, who traded away Gabe Jackson, yet re-signed Richie Incognito, yet re-signed Tack McKinley. LaMarcus Joyner is now a Raider. John Brown comes in for cheap. Kenyon Drake is now on the Raiders for two years, $11 million, even though they have, a, in my opinion, one of the best running backs in the league. And Yannick Ngakwe, who has worked himself out of every single locker room he has ever been in, and he's now a Raider to join this team that's just... I mean, I don't want to say anything off-topic off, off, off topic here, but this isn't a team I, I would trust in a dark alley. And I don't know if that's the vibe they're going for, but two years, $26 million for Yannick Ngakwe. So, Drew... What the hell are the Raiders doing?
2: Tony, I don't know. And, and I listened to Warren Sharp, and he said something that was so profound, it actually blew my mind. Like, the longer that John Gruden is in an organization, the more power he has, the more he screws things up. Yeah. This is the most power he's ever had in Las Vegas. And, you know, Mayock, you know, love the partnership. Yeah. And, you know, kind of a rah-rah buddy system, but I have zero idea, zero clue uh that offensive line is just so beyond uh repair. Yeah. And 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 again, again, with the caveat is they are looking for the job, but this team just looks like they collect Alabama players. They're 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 infatuated, like Kenyon Drake, you know? What like, are we doing? What is going on? What is going on? So it is a beyond bizarre uh offseason for the Raiders, and I am uh very, 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 very low on Mr. Gruden. He might be the Jim Harbaugh of the NFL, and the game might have passed him by, boys. I don't know. No,
0: you might be absolutely right. It's going to be their very secondary interesting locker stinks. room, too. Their secondary
1: yeah. stinks, and they sign a bunch of defensive linemen. And who are their pass catchers? Like uh, John Brown, yeah. okay. Who are their who are their pass catchers? I agree with exactly. you. Head scratching part of the Kenyon Drake signing as well. I I I, I agree. I don't know what the, the Raiders are doing, and I certainly hope the Denver Broncos are planning some big moves for the draft at number nine or a big move at the draft at number nine because they didn't do anything either in the off season. They got. I mean, yeah. Kyle Fuller a great sign, uh, great signing. One hundred percent agree. Nine and a half million dollars uh, is a steal. They kept Kareem Jackson, uh, re-signing uh, Our franchise tagging Justin Simmons is all is all great. Yeah but they didn't really make any moves like you know to give Drew Lock some some better options and they lost Philip Lindsay so I'll be interested to see uh what they do but smart by the Kansas City Chiefs certainly is spending a bunch of money on offensive linemen I think that was uh, something that spe- you know separated them and if they had had a fully healthy uh, offensive line in the Super Bowl you know I mean who knows who knows uh, you know we could play what it could have should all day long but um I think a lot of people you know think that that was something that they They lacked, and that might have contributed to the fact that they weren't able to win. But uh, Kyle Long, Joe Thune, Mike Remmers, Austin Blythe all joining the team. That's uh, a really good way uh, to—those are all strong, solid offensive linemen that will help protect Patty Mahomes.
0: Going off of uh, pass catchers, though, L.A. Chargers, I don't know what they're doing because they had to say goodbye to a lot of defensive players. They were against the cap. I get that, but— in my opinion, Herbert with weapons is a very scary Herbert, and I know he can do it with nobodies, but uh, Keenan Allen cannot do it himself all the time for years and years to come. He's getting up there in age. I, would, I wouldn't have minded seeing the Chargers dip their toes into some of the players that were out there, but let's jump now to the over-unders real fast. We're going to give out two each, one over, one under, but first I want to say... There are 9 teams, I'm sorry. There are 4 teams in the AFC with nine win season long totals. The New England Patriots, the Miami Dolphins, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Los Angeles Chargers. One of those teams has to go under because there's already 6 other AFC teams with a win total over 9 already. I understand the 17 games now one more game to play with but out of New England, Miami, Pittsburgh, LA Chargers, do either of you have one of those teams that you think is going under? Just mathematically it has to happen.
2: I'm going Pittsburgh, guys. I really I think am, I am I, too. It, it, well, and and here's what's hard about that. Traditionally, remember a couple years ago with Duck Hodges, they still won 8 games. This yeah. is a proud organization. Tomlin does not go below 500 ever. But I just I I I got to fade Pittsburgh because I think Baltimore is going to be Baltimore. I think Cleveland's yeah. going to improve, and I think Cincinnati is going to be pesky within that conference. And I th- th- that's just my gut. I would never trust. I would never trust New England. Miami's a good candidate for that. I would. I wouldn't bet against. Uh, um, Uh, The Chargers and and, and Herbert in the second year. So my gut just says Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, I know. I think you're right. I think I agree with that. Well, for my over-under, my under is the Las Vegas Raiders at under eight wins. I just don't see how this team improves at all. And I just really don't like that locker room, especially if they go on a losing streak. It's going to eat itself alive. And I think we see Carr in a different jersey next year. My over, I've been talking about this since the trade. Indianapolis at ten wins. They won ten last year with Phil Rivers. I think Carson Wentz can be just as good, if not better, than Phil Rivers, and with one more game to boot, Indianapolis over ten wins is my pick for the over/under. Dangles, you got an over/under for us? I've seen the.
1: I don't know what you guys had. I see. I've seen the Buffalo Bills in a couple of places at ten and a half wins, and I yeah. think that's. I think that's a lock. I, I would. I would absolutely put money on the Bills to go over ten and a half wins this year. That team is bringing back just about everyone that actually helped them get you know where they needed to be last year. They do lose John Brown. Uh, but they you know bring in emmanuel sanders who isn't as fast but he's he's a veteran um and i think i mean they're, they're both pretty injury prone but hey they filled that they filled that hole i guess is the point i, I i'm trying to make i absolutely sure. think the bills the bills can win over 10 and a half games for me that's definitely a lock
0: no i like that buffalo pick as well 10 and a half i almost put them down drew you got an over under for us
2: guys i love dangos love the bills over tony love love the raiders under there i was actually go. surprised you didn't You didn't take my under, Tony, because I thought this was going to be yours and I couldn't use it. How do you not, at minus 110, take the Houston Texans under four and a half? How do you not do that? Because
0: 17 games with a, we don't know who's going to be the quarterback, but if the man who started last year plays for them, it's, it's tough.
2: Even if the man that, you know, let's just call Deshaun Watson is his name. If he plays quarterback for the Houston Texans, I still think that has a good shot to go under four and a half. I think that team. They have a dead man. They have a dead man walking in a coach. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like I can't it's think terrible. of a worse the a, a worse offseason in free agency. A punter. A, a, a worse offseason to get into. So that's going to be my under. I'm going to give the Texans out four and a half. And for my over, I want to look for some plus money here. This is going to be fun. You know, again that extra extra game. I'm going plus one twenty three over six and a half. So this team has to finish seven and ten. The number two overall pick, buy me in. Zach Wilson, Robert Sala, the New York Football Jets. I'm going over six and a half at plus one twenty three. I like I like the Bills in that division, of course, but I like the Jets plus one twenty three over six and a half. I
0: can't wait to talk about Zach Wilson when we have the ballerina big boy that's coming on Monday. We have an interview with a lovely guest and a a, a bunch of draft bets to give out on Wednesday and later this week. We are going into the NFC free agency material. But that is all for today's show. The AFC free agency signed, sealed, and delivered by the West Coast Gamblers. For Tony Cavallo, for Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, for for the Sharp, Drew Schaefer Crookston. Thank you all for listening. We are the West Coast Gamblers, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and we will see you later this week. West Coast,
3: West Coast, West Coast, Who you betting on? Always on black, fast stacks in the pocket, hole, squad fast cash. Send the bookie, tell them bring it from the bag. No we coming for the bag. West Coast, West Coast, West Coast, West Coast, West, west, west Go to the G, coast, west, west Coast, gang. West coast, west coast. Betting on, always on, black, that's stats in the pocket, whole squad, fast, fast Send a bookie, tell him bring it from the bag. no we coming for the Sets up deep in the pocket. Goes down the field for
0: Smith. Oh, he got it! Smith!
3: Touchdown, 85 yards! Dub C to the G, West Coast Gamblers. Game, game, game. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and Go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet.